You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. And kind of review where we've been since we started in the first week, we've been talking about choices and how to make good choices. And in the first week, we talked about how God is in control and that in everything that happens, it happens for a reason. There's no surprise to God of why anything has happened. And that as we as believers, as we as Christians, we need to understand that we don't have to freak out about stuff because God's in control. Now, we then, the next week, we learned about free will and that, yes, we still have some responsibility in how those decisions are made. Now, again, the, the decisions that we make are no surprise to God. And everything is done in a path for where God wants us to be. There's always been the expression of, it's not so much the end in sight, but it's the journey along the way. I mean, it's those decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis, those big decisions, those little decisions. It's kind of how God uses those to develop us and, and make us who we are. We've all been in different situations. We've all had to make different decisions in how to get to where we get to. Sometimes we make the right decisions, and God blesses. And sometimes we make the wrong decisions, and God withholds his blessings until we come back and make that decision to come back to him. Last week, we spent the lesson talking about abiding. And John, as we talked about, it was basically talking about the vine, the branch and the vine, that we are the branch, He is the vine, and that it's through the abiding, the interlocking between our lives and what God has in store for us helps us understand the way we should go, making those right decisions. It's talking about not just being in church, those formal times of worship, and not just the times that we spend in our prayer and devotional time, But it's every day. It's every moment. It's trying to keep God a forefront in our lives so that when things do come about, we can step back and go, God, what do you want us to do? It was talking about making those smart choices as God would want us to go. As he abides in me, I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can we except ye abide in me. So again, God wants to be part of our daily lives, and every part of our lives as we go forward. We also talked about the fact that he needs to lead, guide, and direct. And that's sometimes difficult for us to do is to actually let him lead, let him guide, and let him direct. Because for us, we're still unsure of what's going to happen next, if that's the right decision. And that's where we're going to lead ourselves into this morning. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for... The time this morning, Father, we thank you for those that are here. We pray for those that are homesick. Just pray, Father, that you help heal them. Father, we just look forward to a good time in your word this morning. Just pray that you be with the other teachers as well. And we thank you in your son's name we pray. Amen. So as I mentioned, decisions often are faith-based. Now, you're going to go, what are you talking about? Well, think about this, for example. You go to McDonald's. You place your order through the speaker's. They give you a brown bag with your food in it. As you pull away, do you stop and look to see what's there? (laughs) Yeah. 
And why? Well, because we have often not gotten what we ordered. You know, to just drive off takes a lot of faith. To all of a sudden you're down the road and you reach in for that quarter pounder and all of a sudden it's a filet of fish sandwich. Um, the same thing as when you go grocery shopping. You know, we're seeing more and more packaging that shows you, you can actually see what's inside, but go through the can section. Do you know what's inside? Well, there's a label on the front. It says what it should be. You have faith when you reach that, put it in your shopping cart, and then get home and open it and hope what's on the label's inside. It's the same thing of when you buy gas. I mean, do you actually see the gas going into your tank? I see the, the monitor flipping. I see the dollar signs rolling. But I've never, at, that, at this point, got in my car, turned on the ignition, and see it's still empty. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm that guy that drives until there's 10 miles left on there, so it's empty when I start to put gas in it. So there's faith that goes on all along the way. When we do anything, when we, when we step out to make a decision, there's a bit of faith involved. You know, sitting down in your seats this morning, you had faith that that chair was going to hold you up and not be broken and crack underneath you. So, again, we don't think about that often, but that's all our decisions are somewhat faith-based. So let's start from the beginning. Well, what's faith? Well, this isn't new for any of you. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that's where we base everything. It's not actually, we know what's going to happen. We're, we're having faith that things will turn out the way that we hope they will be. And that's where it kind of goes back again to, to last week. If we're abiding in Christ and we understand what he wants and what we should see from those decisions, we have that assurance that we probably should see what's there. Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Again, this is a very, very familiar passage of Scripture. It's the faith chapter. This is where we see the heroes of faith, the hall of fame, as you could call it. You know, it's, it's often important for those that are successful in whatever field that they're in that they sometime would hit the hall of fame. It's where they're recognized for the actions or for what they've done along the way in their past. Well, that's kind of what we have here in Hebrews 11. But let's swing down to verses 23 through 27. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And when they were not afraid of the king's and were not afraid of the king's commandments. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. We're going to come back to a lot of this later on. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, as he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Let's swing back over now to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to look a little bit more into Moses as we start this morning. So as you're turning there, just kind of a quick review again. The, the story of Moses is not new to most of you. I mean, we know from where Moses started to where Moses ended. 
and basically he lived 120 years. So we're going to just look at kind of like the first 40 years of his life. So in Exodus chapter 2, 1 through 15, his first 40 years. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to his wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him, and he was godly, a godly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not, could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed him in with slime and with pitch and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river brink. And his sister stood afar off to with what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her handmaidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. And she had compassion on him and said, There is one of these Hebrew children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Should I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, then that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. As the child grew and she brought him up into Pharaoh's daughter, he became her son. And she, came, she called his name Moses, as she said, because I drew him out of the water. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out into the brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied on the Egyptians. Well, we'll stop there and we'll come back to that. So think of it this way. Let's look at it from the mother's point of view. I thought this was interesting. Mothers, how would you like to have had a child and get the raise and get paid for it? I mean, that's kind of, you know, yeah, exactly, yay. That's kind of what happened here. But again, you know, at the time, Pharaoh was killing all the children, all the male children of Israel. Why? Because they were too many. They were f- afraid of an onslaught of, of, Israel, of Israelites that would one day take over. So in his delusional mind, that was his answer. Well, we'll just kill all these children. Almost somewhat like we see today. You know, it's that same mindset of where we're just killing children and nobody thought the other. Moses' mother was afraid. So like any mother would do to protect her child, she hid him for three months. And then came to a point where she knew she couldn't hide him anymore. So uh, I believe in a providence of God, a decision was made to put him in that basket and put him into the, into the river. Now, who knows what would have been in that river? I mean, there could be crocodiles, or it could be a storm that would have tipped that child over and drowned. A lot of bad things could have happened. But her wise decision, her faithful decision on what God had in store, I think, for this child is why she did what she did. So as, as Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses in the bulrushes and then his sister happened to be by, I know on purpose, um, to bring forth someone to help, you know, again, she got an opportunity to raise her son. <clears throat> and not only to raise him physically, but I really believe raised him spiritually. Took the opportunity to instill in him the teachings of Israel, the teaching of their true God. 
Because I think that foundation was instilled in him as he grew. And as we read on farther, you can see that there's a, a turmoil in Moses' life. You know, he, he has everything that a man would want. He has power. He has position. He's got the best education. He's got the access to all the finer things in life. He's not a slave working in the pits that, as you, would, as you follow and do the story detail in detail to see what the slaves of Israel were building. I mean, their lives were not pristine. It wasn't like they were just going to work every day. I mean, their lives were not fun. But here's Moses living the life of luxury. But he was struggling. He had to be struggling that, that, that torment. You know, we talked last week about the little angel on one side and the devil on the other. He had to have some of that pull. You know, knowing that what was going on to the people that he was part of was not, being, was not right. But yet, look what I, look what I would give up. Look, look what I have here. To identify himself as an Israelite would have basically turned himself away. So he had that point. He was coming to a point where he was going to have to make a decision. Let's continue in verse 11. And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked for their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did, that did the wrong, Wherefore smittest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest that thou to kill me? Is thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when the Pharaoh heard, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So we'll come back to that in a bit. But here's the situation again. Now here's Moses out on a day just kind of walking through, seeing what's going on, seeing the burdens upon his fellow man. And decided enough was enough. He felt that he needed to do something. Now why he thought by killing one individual was going to stop the torment, I don't know. It must have just been a decision he made at an instant. Didn't think about it, didn't pray about it, just did it. And I think he thought in his own mind, and again this is my own opinion, he thought he was doing the right thing. But then it's, as the second day comes along, the, the, the Hebrew child that he helped basically turned on him. He went, are you going to kill me next? So all of a sudden, again, more turmoil in his life. And as we read, Pharaoh went to kill him. A decision was made by Moses to flee. He could have stayed and, and, and pleaded to Pharaoh, and who knows, Pharaoh might have went, yeah, okay, you know, you're a prince, you... We'll, we're going to give you a pass. We're going to give you a mulligan. Let that go by. And then things would have went on. But I think that just kind of brought to a head in his life the knowledge that something wasn't right. So his decision involved refu a refusal. 
So let's go back to Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 24, it says this, By faith, Moses, when he come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was understanding that there was a title in place. I mean, to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, he's a prince of Egypt. I mean, that's a very, very lofty position. To give that up, to give what goes with that, had to be difficult. It wasn't an easy decision to make. But yet, that was a decision that he made by faith. He also became to a point as he looked at things of what was right and wrong. He began to discern the difference. As he struggled with what was going on with that Egyptian who was flogging or beating that, that Israelite, something converted to him or convinced him that that was wrong. And instead of trying to look for God for the answer, he tried to do it on his own. So he did the wrong thing for the right reason. Again, that's something that we often hear about when people make decisions. It's, well, this is the right reason, but you're doing it wrong. So uh, instead of taking time, as we talked about, understanding what God's will would have been for his life, he just acted as, as a human and did what he wouldn't have done. In verse 25, it goes on to say, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, pastors talked about this in, in his recent message about sin being pleasure. It's, it, it is. I mean, it, we'd, be, we'd be foolish to not admit that some sin can be pleasurable. But yet, Moses had to sit there and in that decision of what was right and what was wrong, to make that decision that it was wrong. And that what he needed to do was to do the right thing. But he gave up everything. Again, Think of that position of a prince of Egypt. He had everything that he wanted. Anything that he needed to fulfill the desires of his heart was available to him. But yet he chose to refuse it. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He refused the treasures of Egypt. Again, Looking what Egypt has to offer, it's like, it's like today. I mean, ima- imagine somebody, a billionaire's son. He's got everything. You know, I, I, as I thought about this this morning as I was going through it again, I kept thinking about the rich young ruler. He had everything, but he wanted eternal life. When he went to Christ to ask him what to do, Christ said, sell everything you have and follow me. His decision was, uh, no, I'm not, I don't want that. I want to keep what I have. I want to keep the riches. I want to keep everything that goes with it. I want eternal life, but I'm not willing to give up the pleasures of today for eternal life. But there were, there were things that also came along with that decision. He was going to be ill-treated. Again, in verse 25, it says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. So he knew what the, what the people of Israel were going through. He knew the life that they were leading. He understood what he was giving up and what he was stepping into. How often when we make a decision, do we not take, make a decision because we think, oh, there's going to be bad 
recompense from this. I'm going to be under duress. And for me, when I thought about this, all I could think about were people that were making a decision to follow Christ, knowing that their families, their jobs were all in jeopardy. We see that today. We see people that make that decision to know that by accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior, they're going to be an outcast. Their family is going to turn their back on them. But yet they make that decision because their eyes are focused upon what's to come. And how often do we, when we make a decision, are worried about what people may say? You know, has God prompted you to share the gospel with someone? Given you that opportunity, but you know, you're like, I don't want to do that because they may not like me. Or there may be recompense at work. Or some kind of ridicule that you're going to step into. Does that stop you from making that decision? Moses struggled with that, but knew what was there. He knew he was going to be disgraced. He knew he was going from the family that he loved. I mean, he had to have love with, his, with Pharaoh's daughter. He had to have had a close relationship with Pharaoh himself. And to know that what he was doing would bring disgrace, he was willing to have that happen to him to make the right decision. Luke 14.27 says, and again, this is not a new verse for most of you, and what, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There will be times where we're going to have to make decisions that aren't what you would consider a popular decision. But it's one that we need to do to follow Christ. And it's through those decisions, it's through those actions, is how we truly can become disciples of Christ. 2 Corinthians 12.10 Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in necessities and persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's knowing that when we make those tough decisions, it's knowing that when things are not going to be most pleasurable is when we then really turn to Christ. Again, it goes back to abiding with him. It's knowing that our strength is not of ourselves, but of, of him. In 20, and as we go on through there, he decided it was worth more to follow God than it was to stay in Egypt. Any gains by staying in Egypt would have only been temporary. Knowing that what we have today is temporary. Our fortunes, our house, our families, whatever we have are temporary. You know, um, Pansy's brother passed away last week. We had the funeral service for him um, mid this week. You know, he was 79. You know, and, I, and it was like, I started looking at 79, and I'm going, I'm 57. You know, there's a short period of time. You know, and it's, and it's amazing when you start, and pastors talked about it as well. You know, the older we get, the more we look towards heaven because we're closer to it. You know, that's the focus of Abiding with Christ. It's that focus of having God in front of us. It's to know that what we have here is only for a short season. And it's so easy for us to forget that. You know, but Keely's birthday is thir today. She's 13. I no longer have a little kid in my house except my grandkids. But, you know, I'm to that point now where I'm like going, wow. Technically, we should not too far in the distant future. Could be empty nesters, but that'll never happen. But... I got grandkids and I have Seth and Brianna, but, you know, 
Um, it's the thought that, you know, we're to that stage in our lives where we're advancing a bit. So things are really becoming more and more focused on temporary than eternal. Mark 8.36 says, For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and loon his own soul? Again, you know, something that we've heard numbers of times from the pulpit here. But again, it's where's our focus? It's in the decisions that we make. Are they made for long-term ramifications or are they short-term pleasures? When he made the decision, whatever he might deny himself in time would be fully compensated by the rewards he would receive in eternity. Again, it says, as it, uh, lost my place here, esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He knew that the treasures in heaven would far outweigh the treasures received here on earth. And again, how focused are we? When we make our decisions, are we making them because we're looking at what to gain here or how it could advance the kingdom of Christ? Yeah, now granted, if I go to McDonald's and I order a quarter pounder, does that really advance the kingdom of Christ? Other than helping keep me clear and pure and well, well fed, probably not. But it's those decisions that we make along the way are important to understand where we go. To know that what we have here nowhere compares to what's in store for us in heaven. Moses was looking forward to his reward. Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not things of the earth. We often get ourselves focused on the wrong things, which leads us to make the wrong decisions in life. You know, it's all because we want what's now. We want what's here instead of thinking about what's to be down the road. Switching gears here real quick. Let's turn to John chapter 11. I'll be real honest with you, this is kind of where in my devotions, this started the whole, this whole process of where this, this month's lessons plan. Martha's been a, is a favorite Bible character of mine. I like her because there's a lot of what she does and what she did in her life. I think it's a lot of what I am. It's that point of, you know, I'm, it's the serving part. It's the serving heart. It's, hey, I'm doing all this. Why isn't somebody else helping me? And she's one that comes across very blunt. And we come to a point in the story, we won't go all the way back through it, But verses 38 through 41 in John chapter 11. Jesus therefore again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he hath been dead four days. And Jesus said unto her, said I, not unto you, not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Again, a familiar story. We won't go through back through it. We won't finish it up. But I just want to focus there for a minute. Lazarus had died. Jesus knew he was sick. 
took his time getting back to where Lazarus was, and by the time he got there, he'd been dead four days. So as he's talking with Martha, and he's telling Martha to have the stone rolled away, she makes the comment, God, he's been dead for four days. Now, do you not think that Jesus probably would have understand that in the time that they were in, in the, the area that they were in, that somebody who'd been dead for four days may stink? I, I mean, it wasn't like she had to give him a lesson in science to understand, you know, Jesus, you know, I don't know how things are in Nazareth, but here when things have stood out in the hot sun for multiple days, it's starting to rot and decay, and it's probably not a good thing to do. But yet, with all of that, she had to make a decision. She had to make a faith-based decision to say, move the stone. And she could have sat there and argued more and more with it, and, and I really believe she, that's when the faith came into play. That's when the light bulb went off for her to go move it, and we know the rest of the story. So in conclusion, as we wrap up this series, I want to go back to a thing that we looked at a couple weeks ago in making good decisions. So we gave you some points, and I just want to reiterate those again. So does God already have a clear teaching about this? As you get ready to make a decision, is there a direction from God in his word? What do my spiritual advisors tell me? What does your pastor tell you? What do your, what do your friends tell you, for those in this room, for those of you that are younger, what might your parents tell you? What, are the, what's, what advisement do you get from there? How will this affect me spiritually? Again, as we make decisions, as we look to Moses' decisions, his decision was going to affect him spiritually as to how his, the rest of his life would obtain. And we know, from those of us that have read it, we know how God uses Moses along the way. How will this affect my family? Every decision we make affects other people somehow. Those of us that are leaders in our home, it's going to affect our kids. It'll affect the people around us. It'll affect our family of God. Decisions that we make would affect the testimony of this church. We often forget about that part when we make decisions, especially when we're away from here. Do I have a total peace from God about this? When in doubt, don't do it. So I hope through this series of lessons that it's helped you a little bit in how you make your decisions. I hope it's given you an idea at least to think about when you need to make that next big decision or next little decision where your direction needs to be. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.